Welcome back to another episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's guest is with Mike. When Mike and I recorded this episode, we talked about how his mom wasn't doing too well and, you know, the future kind of looked bleak for him. I just wanted to start the episode today off to let you know that she did pass on Thanksgiving. And I did also want to start this off with another video that Mike posted in her memory yesterday. Just to let you know, Mike, thinking of everybody here for you. Let me know if you need anything. So, um, I'm going to need to make this video now because later I might be a little too emotional to do it. But, um, today when I woke up, um, my mother was alive. When I put my head to bed, whenever it does, she will no longer be with us. And uh, I want to make this video while she's still around. I made her a promise to um, give this world so much love that when I'm asked why I have so much love, it's because I'm going to say it's because that's how my mother loved me. When people ask me why I don't give up on people, I'm going to say it's because my mother never gave up on me. So I always say, if you don't feel like fighting, we'll fight with you. Well, I need you to fight with me, not because I'm going to lose fight, because my fight is greater than it's ever been. I need you to fight because of the last promise I made her. I made her a promise that Inspire Inspire will help addicts worldwide beat addiction. And that I'm going to need your help to keep that promise. Everyone has a grieving process. My grieving process is going to be through you guys just like every other day. I love y'all. Inspire Inspire. Pray for me. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. In, you know, welcome to the show, Mike. And, yeah. you know, I started this back in July and I, I'm interviewing people every week about their stories and about their recovery, how they live their life now. You know, and in September, I did an episode every single day to promote recovery month. So I had 30 stories out there in 30 days. And then I was oh, wow. sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, it's November. It's, you know, it's about to be Thanksgiving and the holidays. I started looking up the rates around relapse and ODs and treatment center rates all skyrocket this time of year, which is not surprising. Suicide even skyrockets this time of year. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put out an episode every day from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve to promote awareness around what is going on in our community and how we can avoid doing stuff like that, you know, and what better way to put out some more voices out there, some more people people can reach out to. The more stories I put out, the more likely that somebody's out there in addiction that might resonate with somebody's story, right? And yeah. feel comfortable to reach out to one of us, especially, you know, people like us that are really, people I've interviewed, right, that are low key, that they have careers outside of recovery. They had yeah. to be like, you don't show my face kind of thing. I can respect that. 
And then yeah. there's people like you and I that were like, we we're living out loud. Our recovery is loud, man. <laughs> Everyone knows that follows us on social media is what we're gonna post about that day. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. And what what are you what is your brand inspire to inspire? Brian Inspire is um so I was in this program that I'm in right now say about a year and a half ago. And I came up with the idea to inspire because they say, if you do something an hour a day for five years, you become a master at it. Well, I was an addict for 24 hours a day, 17 years. So I'm way beyond that. So, um, so I was just thinking about, you know, when I was in here last time, uh, you know, what do I want to do with life and what is my best qualities? And you know what I'm saying? Um, when people person, I'm an extrovert, just like you, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so I came up with the idea and inspire us why, because the ripple effect of a conversation or the ripple effect of a moment goes so much further than the, the acts like this conversation you and I are going to have. We don't know a year from now, five years from now, something pops up and it's like I get inspired by it. So I want to like uh, greatness to me is inspiring you to inspire somebody else to inspire somebody else. To inspire. And anyone could inspire anyone at any given moment, whether it's the addict with the needle in his arm, inspiring somebody that has X amount of years clean to stay clean to remember that pain and suffering or vice versa. The addict with 20 years clean can inspire the moment the needle on and be like, listen, I was there, bro. You know what I'm saying? I was there, sis. You know what I'm saying? You could do it. And not even just that, where my mind is at, because I'm I'm now, what's, what's the date? I'm 20 days drug-free off methanol. So I'm six months off of everything. But That's I came amazing. To yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So this this program I'm in, they blind detox you. Basically, they don't tell you how they're letting you come down on your dose. Every day you go to the window, you get your methanol, and you don't... um. You don't know what your taper is. This way you can't get in your head about, I'm at 20 this day and I need to yes. be, a, because yes. that is a problem, man. And I, and I, and I preach harm reduction all day long out of my meeting center, right? Like we work with the United Way almost daily, United in Recovery. Um, the person who heads up United in Recovery for United Way in our town uh, has been on my podcast actually and told her story a couple of months ago. So we're all about harm reduction and Matt and promoting whatever way you got to do it, right? Um, I even had the guy, Ken Anderson, who wrote the book on harm reduction, how to change your drinking and has a Facebook group with 10,000 people on my podcast called hams. And it's all about tapering and harm reduction. And he drinks one day a week for like 10 plus years. He has planned intox days and it's not oh, for wow. me. I can't do it, but more, more power to you, bro. You know what I mean? And, but still that's the kind of thing is I'm not going to question his, his recovery. And I'm going to say his recovery. And I'm not saying sobriety, I'm saying recovery, right? Because there's a difference in that. Because it's the way he's working towards a goal to get away from where he was before. You know, there's people that watch my show and they criticize me because I've used cannabis in my recovery. And they want to tell me things. It's like, you don't understand when, when you're talking to another addict or alcoholic, and if they're on mat, and if they're, or if they're on cannabis, or they're on whatever they're on, you don't know what you could be doing to their program by questioning it. Just because you have a resentment against them and the way they work their program, don't call that out. Put it on your fourth step like a responsible person who works the step. Put that person yeah. on your fourth step. Do not call out that – do not do not make that person have to hold your resentment mm. You know, because yeah, that I, person could drink over it or yes. get high over it and die over it. And then what I tell people, even clean and sober to me are two different things, right? So sobriety, sober is off everything. 
clean is a lifestyle. Like you, you could smoke weed. You can, you're clean. You're not using the secondary. It's not becoming unmanageable. You're not chasing the weed. You know what I'm saying? You I'm not need- even smoking, bro. I don't yeah. even smoke it, to be honest Dude, with you. I use capsules, man. I, I In Pennsylvania, they don't have edibles. I take a capsule with my blood pressure medicine. So with my blood pressure medicine, three times a day, I'm microdosing with small dose capsules of THC. And they take one to four hours for them to even run through my system. So the point is, I'm not trying to chase an immediate effect, right? We snort pills. We we shoot. We chug drinks. We don't sip them. So I smoked before. So to change my relationship means I'm not going to smoke anymore because that's an immediate that's an immediate escape that I could use to get rid of my depression and my anxiety. Now, I know that I'm depressed daily. I know that I have anxiety daily. So if I just take my meds daily, like a Prozac or whatever would, except for it's just my cannabis pills, it's working its way through my system and I'm not a piece of shit all day long. Yes. You know, and I work the steps still because the steps just doesn't mean you have cannabis doesn't mean you need the steps. Just because I have the steps doesn't mean I don't need that. They all work together because it's my program and it's how I do it, you know, and I haven't had a drink or a drink in over 21, almost 21 months and drugs in three and a half years. So you tell me if it's working or not, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's some people just aren't going to understand us, you know, and some people are just not going to, you know what I'm saying? Don't let someone judge you that hasn't even walked a nine in his shoes, let alone a full day. Your recovery is your recovery. And that's what, like, one of the main things inspired us as about. It's a judge-free zone, a place to share your story, because our stories is our weapons of mass destruction against our disease. Because I get to speak to addicts worldwide every day, and by speaking to them and hearing their struggles, because we'll struggle with you, we'll cry with you, we'll laugh with you, we'll fight for you. When you don't feel like fighting, we'll fight with you, rather, not for you, because you can fight for yourself. But when we speak to each other, those experiences, when they're talking to me, makes me remember things that my addiction don't want me to remember. You know what I'm saying? And it brings it up and it keeps it fresh. That's why the opposite of um, addiction is not sobriety. It's connections. Like, you know what I'm saying? The connections you make with people. I go to NA. I found God. So I'm really not too into the steps because the steps kind of look like they derived from the Bible anyway. But... Since I found God, I've been able to have this inner peace about me. And the inner peace, what I mean is I'm inspired by everything. I'm walking. My mother's actually in in the hospital, and she's actually – looks like she's transitioning into hospice real soon. So that would have been a great excuse to go get high. Key word, excuse, right? Now, because – Would have been. Would have been. But now that I'm drug-free, her losing life has given me life. Her losing life is showing me how temporary and fragile life is. Her losing life has me walking down the streets, noticing that the leaves that are changing are beautiful because they're dying. You know what I'm saying? We say a lot doesn't happen in one day. A lot does happen in one day. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. Millions of people died yesterday. I didn't wake up today. Millions of people were born today. You know what I'm saying? I'm one day closer to where, and then we look at sobriety. It's like, damn, we can never get high for the rest of our lives. You don't even know what the rest of your life is. It could be a and day from you now. You don't even know what high from is. Now. You I know get what I'm saying? So we make these, these, these things in our head. This We got to get out of our head and we got to start speaking to each other. When we speak to each other is where it all comes out. Even an yeah. introvert. If you're an introvert, I tell people, write me. 
Write to my email, Mike Fiore, M-I-K-E-F-I-O-R-E-118 at Gmail. Write to me because we have introverts here, too, that could do it for you. Yep. And, and it's in, well, so derived, the steps, they're actually from, um, like, an old thing that was, uh, what was it called? Um, the, the, the concepts. It was called okay. the concepts from the Oxford House back in okay. the day. AA was derived from Oxford House, basically. You know, okay. Bill Wilson and and Dr. Bob, they weren't as original as most people think. They did get a lot of their ideas for the big book from what the Oxford House was doing with the concepts. So okay. that's that's kind of what the um, the steps in the big book were born out of. And then in 1953, Narcotics Anonymous goes to AA and says, hey, can we do what you do, but with ours, you know, kind of thing. And that's where NA was born out of. So NA was born out of AA, which was born out of the concepts from the Oxford house. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's basically what it is. And, oh. and, and the steps changed my life too, though, because, okay. you know, I drank for 20 years and I drugged for 10 of them. And okay. when I say drugged, I mean, daily uh, Roxy 30 was my love. You know, uh, I pop 30 of those a day. Yeah, and I believe that. And but I was a functioning working the entire time. I never got into dope because I loved the effects that I got from Roxy so much. And I stuck with Roxy for 10 yep. years, man. And I just functioned for it until I couldn't anymore. And I went, I took myself to rehab. I took myself when I was ready. I said mm -hmm. I wanted rehab. Not nobody said you needed rehab, JD. Because guess I what? That's why it worked, man, because I wanted it. Yep. So when I got there, I treated my recovery as hard and as serious as I treated my addiction. You know, we treat people don't we don't realize that we we always say, you know, our recovery is one day at a time. Right. That's a which a cliche that you hear all the time yep. now. It's actually we lived our addiction one day at a time, too. But I think you know what I mean, I mean, how many times did you grab a bag? And you're like, man, I, I could, I'm a high right now. I'm not withdrawn. I don't need this. I could really use this when I wake up tomorrow, but I really want to tie one on now and I'll figure that shit out tomorrow. I that's mean, not even that's tomorrow that. Mike's problem. Yeah, tomorrow, come tomorrow. Come. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I was, sometimes I was at the point where I hated tomorrow so much. I didn't even want tomorrow to happen. But what, what I started to realize is, is that our addiction needs us. Not us need it. It needs us to pick it up. It needs us to shoot it. It needs us to sniff it. It needs us to swallow it. So therefore, we are the problem, but we are also the solution because there's so many transferable skills that we could take from our active using, waking up with no money, getting $100 worth of drugs, critical thinking, not going down this block because I owe this guy money, so I got to walk around this way. I could skim this person's bag and that person's bag and this person. There, there's, there's so many tools that we possess that our addiction just used it for that purpose. We don't need and, to be given yeah. recovery. It's inside of us already. And you said it exactly right, because the drugs weren't our problem. We were the no. problem. The drugs yes. were the solution to our problem. So now yes. that we get rid of the drugs, life still happens. So we have yeah. to learn how to live life with dealing with the problems without that solution. Yes. And that's what the 12 steps gave me a lot of was okay. solution. You get a ton of solution. You find God that way. Yeah. And the first three is all about finding your relationship with your higher power, you okay. know, and they all have sets. All three have different like things behind them. 
um, you know, the last three are all about giving it back now and, you know, daily pray, praying, daily, you know, check-ins, okay. daily gratitude list, shit like that, prayer, meditation, and then give it back whenever you can. And that's what yeah. I do. I do 12 steps all day long when people that, when they come in here and they're barely, they're still drinking. I had a woman come in here, 50 years old, come to her first ever AA meeting last week, sat down with me, with just her and I, and we sat there for an hour and a half and I asked her about her history of drinking. 49 years old, never stepped into a meeting a day in her life. So wow. we, we got to have a real deal meeting one-on-one and just talk it out, man. And it was powerful cool. because, you know, I got to see what it was like still out there to wake up, roll out of bed and need a beer like she does. Yeah. But, you know, and that's that's real life shit right there, man. Yeah. So what what's, what's working for me this time that hasn't worked last time is knowing that I'm not an addict because I use drugs. I use drugs because I'm an addict. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's my thinking. It's my analyzation. It, it's how my problem solve. So now it's problem solving today for future opportunities, right? Because the tomorrow us did nothing that did not deserve the best possible opportunity to be the best person it could be. I used to hate seeing the tomorrow me because of how I was living today. Now perception equals potential. You know what I'm saying? I used to say I can't, right? So I wouldn't even try something. I would say I won't. So I never did it. Now I can is like a passport to success, right? I can't used to be my prison, used to be where I live. I say I will now because I will grow. I will take the hits. Recovery, I'm starting with, it's not, it's just to take the drugs out of our life. It's not the thought. The door is never going to stop. You know what I'm saying? So don't get upset when you get the door. You know what I'm saying? Me trying to stop things created things. You know, me trying not to feel this feeling and not feel that feeling, not feel that. It's like playing not to lose, like a boxer. You know what I'm saying? If he's boxing and he's always back trying because he doesn't want to lose, he's going to lose. But if he goes into the fight, you know what I'm saying, ready to die, he's going to win. We got to go into this fight ready to die for this shit. It has to be a must-have. It can't be like, well, uh, no, no, there's no ifs, ands, and buts with this shit. There's no one foot and take it from somebody that had all the wrong answers. I mean, all the, all the answers to all the wrong questions. You know what I'm saying? And then the right questions, I had the wrong answers, right? So now I'm questioning my answers instead of answers to my questions. The fact that I'm so open-minded today is why I'm successful. Because someone's perspective can be right. I can be wrong. You know what I'm saying? The I can be wrong has me now backing up and not looking for, and by not looking for answers, Jay, I'm getting the answers. And you know what it is? It's okay to not be wrong. It's okay to, it's okay to not know. It's okay to ask for more information. It's okay to say, I don't understand. Please say that again. We're allowed to be vulnerable. I was just on another podcast for somebody else earlier and I was talking about vulnerability and mm. because, you know, people talk about, oh, they're almost afraid to be vulnerable sometimes, you know, and I understand that because there's a lot of um, trauma in people's past. They give mm-hmm. themselves up and then they get taken advantage of. And they never want to do that again. But being vulnerable is a beautiful thing. Opening, yes. opening up and finding yourself is an amazing thing. You know, my wife sent me a song the other day and she said, this makes me think she's sober too, 21, okay. same time, the same sober date. Um, and she sent me this song because it reminds me of how I was a bad mom to my stepkid. And I've still, I still need to work on that. And I said, you don't understand. You're not seeing the beautiful thing here, baby. I was like, 
two years ago before you she does shadow work like witchcraft shadow work shit and i don't judge okay. that if she wants to do that at working for her keep doing it and i said you gotta remember two years ago you would have sent me that song and you would have said look this is about my mom and you would have said that's about your mom but since you're not blaming your mom anymore for your actions you're taking responsibility for your actions by saying yes. this was me and you're finding yourself in that song I would have never called you out for being, you know, a crazy, you know, spinster mom. You would have said that shit about your mom two years ago. But yes. now you're calling your mom your mom and not calling her by her first name anymore like you used to. Oh, and wow. now you are noticing these kind of things. If that's not somebody working on themselves, I don't know what the fuck is. And I'm proud of you. And if you don't see it, keep it up because it's working. That's it. You know what and, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know it just it blew her away because she didn't realize that meant she was doing work, right? Because sometimes we don't see the progression that we're making until somebody points it out to us. Yeah. You know, it's almost like when you either gain weight or lose weight or you get healthier. We see each other every day. We see ourselves all day. So all it takes somebody else to be like, "You lose some weight, man. You get you, you're getting a little buff. You're looking, That's you looking, yeah, and, some different perspective." I speak to people and um, we don't know how strong we really are. You know what I'm saying? Like some people think they're, they're not weaknesses. Crying as a man, not a weakness because I cry all the time. I actually have, I'm learning how to schedule my day. So like scheduling the day, I have a specific time frame where it's called my worry time. It's where I worry. I, I put it all off throughout the day because throughout the day, by putting the worry off, you're able to make a plan for it. You know what I'm saying? You're able to talk to people. You know, you ever deal with this? How'd you deal with that? You ever worry? So now when I come to my worry time, that's when I cry. That's when I curse. That's when I, whatever it takes. And then when that time is up, it's like the alarm clock. It's all right. It's going back to the day. It's, you're allowed to feel anger. You're allowed to feel upset. You don't let it consume you. It's where we get bad at because the emotional relapse happens way before the actual relapse. Not dealing with the anxiety, not dealing with the depression, the anger, the success, happiness. You know what I'm saying? Because we keep yep. thinking that this addiction is just, no, for me, my trigger is success. And how can I, I can give an analogy. When you go to a skyscraper and you walk right up to the skyscraper and look up, it looks like a regular building. But you have to back up in order to see its features and see the sky. That's how I was for success. I would see the skyscraper, run up to it, and run after success. And then wonder why when I looked up, I wasn't amazed. So you know what? I had to get high to enhance its success. Now I'm successful at things, Jay. I back up, Jay. I back up and I'm like, all right, I could have been better at that. I could do that a little. Success would make me think that I was doing something right. So I closed the door. I wanted answers so I could close doors. For what? Just to go to the next door. So answers are like a shark. Shark always swims forward. We have to be always swim, swimming uh, forward. I think Abraham Lincoln said, I'm a slow walker, but I never turn back. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just got to slow it up. We don't have to stop. That's why they say it's a marathon, right? And not yeah. a Cause Cause when you, yeah. you got to stop and then the problems come living in the light is great but living in the light means i had to turn on that light and look at everything i did while i was in the darkness yeah and i think that's what would make me shut the light again but you know what if i gotta work this hard for just a few moments of joy then sign me up because that darkness shit can miss me with that shit this time you know what i'm saying because it, it's it's not a life. I was just existing 
And I understand why the show Walking Dead is so popular because there's so many Walking Dead out there right now with that. You're in yeah, you're in Manhattan, bro. You're seeing it, man. You're seeing it more than most people, you know, unfortunately. On the floor, on the train. And you know what? That That's every day I wake up and I see addicts like that. I see fellow brothers and sisters. And, I, you know what I'm saying? I want to help them. But, you know, it, it's you like you said, it happens when you want it to happen. That you have to want it, man, and you—it's yeah. it's not a need. And I learned that thirty days in, I was sitting outside my rehab. I was in sober living at the time. Um, my good friend I'd met in rehab. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo. We have a Cash App. We have a PayPal. We have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. She relapsed again. She was going back to the treatment center okay. and she was like upset, smoking a cigarette with me. And she's like, I don't get it. You know, she's been in and out of the rehabs so many times and this is my first time and I'm nailing it and she's like i don't get it you're here getting chips and working steps and i keep relapsing i need this so bad i don't understand i just really need to do this and i'm like and i just it hit me right then and there when she said that i'm like why do you need it who do you need it for Mm, and 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 she was like well my family and blah 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 and then it all came together i was like oh you see you need it for somebody else and that's why it's not working i want it for me and that's (laughs) why it's working You know, and it's one of those things like I had a case against me sitting in, you know what I mean, in Jersey waiting for me for, you know, possession. But I forgot I even had that case waiting for me until I was in the air flying to L.A. to treatment. I wasn't (laughs) even going. I went to court two weeks before that high out of my mind. It was on my (laughs) flight to L.A. when I had like, oh, shit, I got court next week. Like, I forgot. I, I like on a whim went to rehab. It was like, I'm ready to go. I need to go. So I need yeah. to go now before I talk myself out of it. And then all oh, while I was flying, I was like, oh, shit, I got court. And they squashed it. You know, like, hey, he's under our care. You know, he'll be back. And yeah. and I went, back at, I went back at nine months, and I represented myself. I had gotten arrested in a school zone with 2030s on me. And oh. um, they found them in my sleeves and because I had a hoodie on, and I okay. tucked them in my sleeve. And when my hoodie sleeve fell, I had rolled it up. When they put the cuffs on me, that fell down. He grabbed my sleeve and he found them. Uh, so he pulled them out and he goes, "Hey, you can stop looking for stuff in his car. We found them." So because they were searching my car while they were cuffing me, see how it is yeah. probably. So you know, I went back to court and I I didn't go with a lawyer, and I told them, "Listen, I'm representing myself. You can throw the book at me, whatever you want to do. Give me drug court. I don't care." I'm nine months clean and sober. I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. I go to two meetings a day. I'll pass all your drug tests you want to give me. Let's let's just move this along. And and the the, the prosecutor was like, "What? I never had somebody say all that to me. 
like just cop to everything and just be like throw the book at me i'm like well i'm just being honest like there's nothing a lawyer could do to help me i'm caught they caught me i went to treatment and she was like well did the cops tell you if you go to treatment we'll give you a deal i said no honestly i forgot all about that until i was flying to la and i was like oh yeah i got court i should call them (laughs) she was like wow you are just like completely honest aren't you I said, yeah. that's all I'm trying to run an honest program. Nine months sober today. I showed her my chip and she was like, oh, well, congratulations. She came back $800 fine. And that was it. Take that. I'll take that. I'll take that all day. That's a, that's, but you know what it is. It's, uh, I think it's just the, like I, we go by, uh, at Inspire Inspire, I have this OCA routine, right? It's something I created for myself that works. So the O is the open-mindedness. You know, we spoke about it, you know, but the C is the communication. The communication, not just what you and I are doing, the communication of listening. Because I think when he, people here communicating, they think it's speaking. You could get a lot further with just listening than speaking. Then it's also the self-talk. How are we communicating to ourselves? You know what I'm saying? And then the A is the accountability. The accountability leads to humility. For an addict, once we start taking accountability for our actions, like you just did in court, there's nothing you could say to us. It's like Eminem at the Eight Mile movie at the end when he tells on himself, homie yeah. had nothing to say to him. When we are the ones that bring it out, and that's what a lot of my videos are. My video diaries are just me telling on myself, basically. Yeah. But by me telling on myself, it's now like, because my main struggle with life was perception. If you thought I had something and I didn't, good with it. If you thought I was with this one and I wasn't, Good with it. Everything you thought about me, if it was what I thought people should know and I didn't have it, I was cool with it. But then, you know, what started happening. I had to start manipulating. I had to start lying. Then I looked in the mirror. I didn't even know who I was. Then I had to get high because I didn't want to deal with any of that. So before I knew it, I'm 10 years in. I was on methadone 17 years at 140 milligrams. Today, I just got my Vivitrol shot because I understand that when my mother going through or the transition she's going through, it's possible that she might not be here tomorrow, which is a possibility for all of us. But for her, it might be a little bit greater. So I just want that security plan. I'm, I'm making a plan where they say, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. You know what I'm saying? There's, a, there's something I use in college called the power method. Prepare, organize, work, evaluate, and rethink. You know what I'm saying? So now every move I make is calculated, just like when I was an addict. Every move was calculated. So there's no there's no reward without a risk, but you can, we could take calculated risk. We don't have to just start throwing ourselves out there for failure. You know what I'm saying? This is why it's so important. And if you don't have a support system, you know what I'm saying? If you don't have someone, whoever's listening to Inspire, Inspire is here for anyone and anyone. We, listen, our addiction doesn't care what color we are, what religion we are, doesn't care if we have kids, doesn't care if our parents just die, doesn't care if we'll lose our job. So if he doesn't care, then my Inspire Inspire doesn't care. You will not be judged because of anything. So come here, talk to us, tell you how you're struggling, because your struggle could help me succeed in my life. My struggle could help you succeed in your life. We don't understand how... There was a study with monkeys real quick, right? The monkey, they were giving it cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. It died of starvation with food next to it because the brain chemistry rewires. 
So do not think you're a piece of shit because you did drugs. Our brain chemistry rewires. Our necessities are no longer food, water, and shelter like the regular person. It's the drugs. The brain, the central, central nervous system is meant for survival, to keep us in a comfortable state. So where do we go when we want to be in a comfortable state? The drugs. So Stop beating yourself up. Start reprogramming your brain chemistry. Start getting with people. Because when they took that the, the cocaine away from the monkey and it went through withdrawal and they put the monkey in a, a, a control setting with, yeah, with, with a control setting with other monkeys, it didn't go back to the, the cookie of cocaine because it was with people that were clean, other monkeys. So bring yourself into the community. There's so many platforms out there. And I was just going to say the platform thing, if you go in the description of this episode, Episode, you're going to find the links to your TikTok, your Instagram, and your Facebook. I'm okay. going to put all three links in there so people can find you on any of the platforms um, because that's I know you're active on all three. Yeah. I think I saw you on Facebook on one day, and then I saw you on TikTok the next, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to get a hold of him. I'm going to talk, I want to hear more about him. And then I saw you on Instagram eventually. So I know we're connected on all three, so I'll make sure they're all tagged in the yeah. description, whether you're watching this or you're listening. Me the link for this, so then I could share because I'd love to. You know, what I'm saying there's a a few people that shared my story through you know words, and then another podcast. But I'd love to share it so other addicts. Once addict, one addict sees one addict do something, it might get a little bit easier for them to do it. You know, yeah. so now people are sharing their stories with the people that I shared mine with. So I want to get you out there because I've listened to a few of your podcasts. They're great. Thanks, great buddy. source of information. You know, what I'm saying. Um, it's it's a beautiful thing when you what they say you got to give it in order to keep it and I understand yeah. what that means because when you give it you start reliving these things that we forget and we could get real stagnant in recovery real yeah. stagnant real quick you know the busy or productive two different things busy is having a lot of things going on and just doing them I used to be busy productive is doing things with purpose. Mm-hmm. So you can still be busy, but have some kind of purpose with what you're doing in life. It, who is it benefiting? Is it is it making the tomorrow me better? You know, everything is about growth. Our bodies is all about growth. Cut your fingernails, they're gonna grow back. Cut your hair, they're gonna grow back. So the soul can grow back, but that's where the spirituality has to come in. Because recovery is put in your face that no matter what, if we don't pick up, tomorrow will be better, no matter what's going on around us. That's faith. Believing in something that you can't see. For me, it was God. I found God. Ever since I found God, ever since I started praying, ever since I started giving him praise, ever since I started going to church, Jay, I ain't even going to lie to you. It's like he's talking to me. You know what I'm saying? And and I think he's he's always been talking to us. We've just had this tunnel vision, our conscious mind with the drugs. But remember, the peripheral, our subconscious mind has always been picking stuff up. The best way to get your subconscious mind out is through writing, journaling. You ever write something and look back at it and be like, damn, I wrote that? That don't even sound like me. Because it's your subconscious mind coming out to play. Yeah. So now let's get even deeper with it. What happens if we can reprogram our subconscious mind? Because we don't think about walking to a door. You don't think, all right, I'm going to walk to the door. I'm going to turn the doorknob. I'm going to pull the door open. I'm going to walk through the threshold. Why? Because we've done it hundreds of thousands of times. Subconscious mind. So now when you get with people that are winning at this, because you got to get with people winning at it, your subconscious mind will start telling you what to do without you even knowing it. You won't walk this way no more. You'll see someone doing so, drinking or smoking. You won't think about getting high because you've been turning, you've been thinking, you've already been forcing yourself out. Because brain cells is where 
where the no comes from, right? I think after four seconds of oxygen deprivation to brain tissue, the brain cells start to die. So that first initial no, like if I went to go give a bag of dope to someone that don't do drugs, they could say no and go on with their day and not think about it. Us, on the other hand, because we've killed brain cells, we have to continuously tell ourselves no throughout the day after being offered that bag or that pill. Because our brain, but the, they also grow back too. But it, it's that, it's that, you got to give yourself a chance. Um, yeah, and from what you said about the subconscious decisions, mm-hmm. we need to give ourselves a break daily on the bad ones that we make, on the mm-hmm. bad decisions that we make. Because like um, a friend of mine, she's, um, she's uh, where is she? Uh up by you somewhere. I forget the, what the part of the town she is, but she's in New York. She's a writer too. And she wrote this article a while ago about how many decisions we make subconsciously on a daily basis. How many would you venture to guess decisions that you make? All those subconscious ones, the turn the door, the doing this, the that, all that bullshit. 2,000? 30,000. 30 to 33,000. So why beat yourself up over one bad one? Yeah, well, they even say, oh, I think Denzel said it, right? There's 86,000 seconds in a day, right? So if you had $86,000 and I took $10 away, would you throw away the rest of your money? No, you're going to keep it. So if 10 seconds happen, don't throw the rest of the day away. You know what I'm saying? We get so caught up with things. Like you said, we got to give ourselves a break. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, to pat yourself on the back, you know what I'm saying? Because we could be grateful for every. If you woke up and you could get out of bed on your two legs, be grateful. If you mm-hmm. woke up and you could see things, be grateful. If you woke up and you can express your feelings through your senses and your words, look at Helen Keller, man. Helen Keller didn't wake up ungrateful. Look what that woman's done. So everyone, God's made us all with a purpose. He doesn't make mistakes. I don't ask why no more. I don't ask why is my mother dying because that's not faith. Because when our parents told us not to play with fire, we didn't believe them. We didn't have faith in them. So we played with fire and what happened? We got burnt. You know what I'm saying? So I don't ask why because he, the last 17 years I thought I was making mistakes. The last 17 years was nothing but blessings. My addiction is a blessing. I'm meeting people like you. You know yep. what I'm saying? I'm helping other addicts. I'm starting to find my purpose. You know what I'm saying? I'm starting to find who I am. I smile today. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I said that like I laughed for the first time when I got sober, right? In a long time. And yep. it's ironic because I was doing stand-up comedy in addiction. Right? I'm going to stand-up clubs all the time, four or five times a week while I was in addiction. So I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing the right way. Because when I was laughing in addiction, I'm laughing with my head, meaning you said something funny. I processed your joke and I said, that's funny. (laughs) Yes. And then when I got sober, I genuinely laughed with my stomach again. And I remember the first time I felt that, that different laughter. It was like three weeks in and we were sitting around smoking cigarettes, playing, you know, horse or whatever at the treatment center. And we're fucking around, and I start dying laughing at some stupid shit, and I realize that was the first time I had laughed like that since I was a kid. And I'm 31 years old at that time, and I hadn't laughed like that since I was, like, 10. You yeah. know? And it just all, like, really meant a lot to me. Uh, how old are you, bro? I'm 37 years young. Yeah, which you are, because opiates kept us young, because you don't look 37. It's like, you know? it's like prison. 
It's like prison, you know, prison preserves you. I've seen people that... But there's the opposite effect, though, too, because then again, you could look 60, be 37, right? It's one of the other. Yeah, but it, it, there's no in-between with it. Because but... <laughs> I'm 35, and people say, you look 28. I'm like, thank you, but it's Listen, opiates. If I, if I shave my beard, I'd probably look a lot younger. And speaking about the laughing... I looked. I started looking at pictures, old pictures, and lately I've been thinking about things I've done. I've get, I've gotten so embarrassed about the things I've done. I've actually closed my eyes when I was thinking about, like, damn. But looking at pictures, I didn't smile in any of them. None of them. I'm smiling. All of a sudden, like when I got here last time, it was a smile. But now I know it's different because when people reach out to me, they're like, I see it in your eyes. Yeah. They're not talking about anything, but you know, the the eyes never lie. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's real important. There's some I want to share. So I've been I've been doing a lot of research reading on the five hindrances of life. And, you know, they shall and master. And one of them that really resonated with me was ill will, right? So I just want to share it with you. Ill will is to have angry, unkind, or destructive thoughts towards someone, though it is also possible to have ill will towards a situation or even yourself. It can make you burn inside, and you are unable to concentrate on anything else but your destructive emotions. It is usually driven by resentment, jealousy, pride, or anger. This is an extremely powerful hindrance. And the antidote is to reflect on compassion towards others. The reason we have ill will is because we see other people as different than us, as outside of us. We do not see the interconnectedness of life. If that affects you most, see what makes you feel that way. See how it's affecting your life and the lives around you. Are you jealous of someone carrying around anger or do you have too much pride? You know what I'm saying? So I was reading that today and it just really resonated with me. And it, and it's true, man. Yeah, you are going to be blown away if you go if you get a sponsor and do the steps. I, I don't ever encourage anybody to do them unless you want to, like anything else. The yeah. way you receive information, you will get so much out of it that I can't even begin to like think about what you're going to say in your videos when you start actually seeing this shit. You just described a mixture of step four and step nine to me what I got. So okay. like a lot of the things that I was told, especially early on is like, if you resent someone for something and like, cause your step four should take you into a step nine, meaning um, your step four is all your resentments that you have while you were in addictions, growing up and all that kind of stuff. You know, my mom didn't let me take the cookies from the cookie jar kind of shit. But then there's like, you know, my dad did this or my brother or, or whatever. But then the big one is about you. 75% of that list really should be I resent myself for this. I resent myself for that. I resent myself for this. Because when you get to a step nine and a step eight and you need to write your, your list of people you need to apologize to, you have that list at step four and all your resentments that you had before what you did. Now I need to apologize for that apologize for this and apologize for that. And then there's the ones that I'm not ready to talk to that person yet, right? I can't apologize to that person because I can't forgive them yet. And you know what you do when you can't forgive somebody for what they did to you is you pray for them. And you pray for them until you don't hate them anymore because that's what happens. You pray for that person every single day and sometimes it takes 30 days, sometimes it's 45, sometimes it's 90. But in that time, over time, if you pray for that person to find their peace every day, in a certain amount of time, there's going to be a time where you're like, I don't hate them anymore. And it's all because of that. 
And those are some of the things that I learned through working that. So I'm not here to preach that to you, but you just opened it up when you said that. Like, it blew me away. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to fucking love this. Yeah, so, And yeah. that's the O in the OCA routine comes in, the open-mindedness, taking people's suggestions. And that, and that, you know, I'm, I'm eventually going to get there because I go to NA. Take your time. Yeah, man, you're still, yeah, yeah there's I no rush. Tuesdays and Sundays because with people that I was in here last time with that graduated and aren't here now. And that's another thing, you know, like I was in here, the, the numbers are, are, they seem fucked up. And then I found some great numbers about recovery. So it, from two to five programs, like the one I was in, the one you're in, 75% of people that from the two to five programs actually succeed at recovery. 75%. Out of that 75%, they all achieve one life achievement, whether that be the job, the woman, whatever it is. What happens is what starts bringing the number down, which they don't tell us, is they start to factor in people with psychological issues. So people with psychological issues takes 10 to 15 programs because of their issues. So now when they throw those numbers in with the people, you know what I'm saying, that don't have psychological issues, like you and I, you did it in one program, this is my second one. You know what I'm saying? They, when they throw it in with us, it makes it look like the, we can't succeed at this. So the stigmatism is, you got to remember, this is big money business, these drugs, man. This big pharmaceutical so big. They want us to believe, and they'll fund places like this because then they can take taxes from us and look like what we're, we're trying to do. Like, listen, I'm an addict. I'm a hustler. I know what time it is. But <laughs> Yeah, like I've been doing this. I know what I see. I know what you're doing. But you can paint a piece of shit gold, but it's still a piece of shit. Yeah, it's not so sold to a slug. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, when I want something, I'm going to get it. But yeah. you know, they, they make us think that this is so hard. And you know what? They it, It's... Life is simple. It's just, it's hard, but it's simple. The decision is, is simple. It, you know what I'm saying? Like the decision, our body makes a decision too. that we're hungry. Then comes yeah. the choices of what to eat. You know what I'm saying? Make the decision that you want to get your life clean. Then the choices are come, whether it be a rehab, a detox. Or not everyone needs to do that. I needed to do it because I just know what type of, I don't lie to myself no more. I can't do it out there. I have too many things going on in my life out there that keep me busy, not productive. And because I'm busy and I'm succeeding, oh, well, maybe I could just get high on the weekends. You know, maybe, you know, just when I, I have bad anxiety, I go smoke a joint on the beach. You know what I'm saying? Like, but once you say that, maybe you already you already relapsed way before that, maybe because you, you got to put self first. But that doesn't make you selfish. You know what I'm saying? Putting yourself it's OK first. to be selfish. This is That's a selfish okay. program, bro. Me, yes. me talking to you and me running me. OK, me running this meeting center, this whole mm -hmm. entire meeting center for mental health and addiction. That's a selfish thing. That yes, keeps me sober just as much yes, as it keeps it anybody else sober that walks in the doors. I can't do I can't stay sober without somebody else walking in the door to talk to me. And we're still in the infancy of our place. So we're still like slow moving and we're not in a big populous area. We're in the sticks in Pennsylvania. So, you know, like it's talking to people like you and all the other people I've had on my podcast during the day in between my meetings that also keep me going too because it's that power of connection. Like you said yes. because you gotta when to keep it yeah, and because I just I talked to a guy earlier today. He has 25 years clean and sober, right? And he was buying coke in the 80s in Massachusetts from George Young. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, blow. blow. Yeah. Yes. He was living up in that area, buying that pure shit coming from Columbia back then. That's what sent him. He was freebasing that in the 80s and went to rehab. Oh, that. 
so, yeah. So anyway, you know, he's 25 years in a program, works a solid program. And I, he, at first though, he had six years and then he relapsed on dope. Okay. He, he had, I he went from six choice. years, 80. Yeah, exactly. And that was the thing was he, I said, how did you do that? Like, I need to know this for me because I'm not at six years and I feel amazing and you worked a program. So what happened that all of a sudden that's five, six years, you were getting high again. And he said it was, I did all the things I was doing. I stopped doing all the things I was doing originally. I stopped going mm-hmm. to meetings. I stopped mm-hmm. connecting with all my people in my home group. I stopped talking to my sponsor. I stopped talking to my higher power. I stopped working the steps daily. And then all of a sudden I'm outside at a gathering for like a barbecue and someone offers me a wine cooler. And I say, what the hell? That's it. You know what I mean? And then next thing I know, five days later, I'm like, well, I already relapsed. And I did the problem. He made the problem. He said I relapsed years before, and I didn't even realize it because I made a reservation for heroin. I had never done heroin. I had always done coke. So when I started hearing about it in the rooms, I made the reservation. If I had ever relapsed, that maybe I would do that someday. And that's a huge mistake I made early on. Never make that reservation because the problem is you might show up for it. And then what? So he showed up for his reservation six years clean, making a a bank, owned his own business. And he could afford his addiction. He could bankroll his addiction, which was even more dangerous, as we both know. So luckily for him, he found rehab within three years. And it, he didn't overdose or anything, but there were some scary moments with him and his fiance, you know, but, and it just, it happens how it happens. He, Vivitrol actually, you reminded me, he's, he went on naltroxone. He tried to go on naltroxone in 87 or 90, no, 87, or whatever it was, 93, 87. They drove him down to Cherry Hill, New Jersey from Massachusetts. And they hooked him up with this guy that put you under anesthesia while he gave you Vivitrol while you were still withdrawing. No, so that you would be under anesthesia to not have to feel the precipitated (laughs) (laughs) and he ended up getting so fucked up from it that he ended up going right back to mass and then shooting up for the first time. Wow. Yeah, because it didn't work out. I was like, really? I was like, that works? Anesthesia? He was like, well, let me finish the story. I was like, oh, that's why they don't use that method. (laughs) You know, like that, it doesn't work. So I I actually have 5.30 5.30 pregame. I'm actually going live at 6 with someone from Delaware, my man Hayden. But um, I had a great time speaking with you. Yeah, this man. is something I want to do on a weekly basis. I'm with it. You know, I'm always with talking. It's a great conversation. So um, I guess just end it, right? Just honor your past, right? Celebrate the present. That's why it's called a gift. You know what I'm saying? And then expand for the future. So the expansion for the future, if anyone out there needs to speak to someone, Inspire Inspire wants to meet you. We don't, we don't we don't discriminate, you know what I'm saying? We, well, whoever you are is good enough for us because whoever you are can help somebody here. And we still get high and inspire, inspire, but it's an acronym. It's how I get hungry. You know what I'm saying? So how are you getting hungry for your recovery today? Why are you not motivated for your recovery? Check in with us. You know what I'm saying? If you don't check in with us, we'll check in with you. It's a place for your judgment, your recovery. Like, you know, Jay said, it's your recovery. You smoke weed, you could drink on weekend. Whatever it is, we're not here to tell you you want methanone, you want suboxone. Your recovery is your recovery. As long as you give us the door of wanting to do better and as long as you want to help with your story, we're here for you when you want to be ready and we've been waiting to meet you. Exactly. I couldn't have said better myself. 
So have a good call, man. And the weekly yeah. thing, it might be I'm good with doing it on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or something like that. Oh, yeah. And we can hop on and just talk whatever about our week is, recovery is. I'm good with that. If you want to hear more about Mike, go to the description, whether you're listening or watching. Click on any of the links, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, they're all below. But thanks again, Mike, and we'll talk soon, buddy. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. Thank all right, you. Have a good day, man. All right, all right see you. You too, brother. All right.